Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Molly Ryder. Welcome to the podcast, More Milk, Please, baby feeding stories from moms plus like me and you. This podcast is designed to be a safe space for women plus to come together and share baby feeding stories. Whether you are expecting or thinking about having kids, a mom, non-binary, an aunt, grandma, or a caregiver, you are welcome because we hear it all. (laughs) From breastfeeding and pumping to tube feeding, bottles, formula, frozen milk, and weaning, our worldwide community is here connecting over some of our most nerve-wracking and intimate moments. I am so glad you're here, dear listener. Oh my goodness, my mom's plus. I hope that you find connection and belonging as you listen. And if this podcast, or me, or our guests, or the stories mean something to you, it would mean the world to me if you'd be willing to take 30 seconds to rate and review the podcast. It helps new Moms Plus find us so these stories can support even more baby feeding adults out there in the wild world of parenting. To do this, just go to the More Milk Please show page on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and just hit the plus sign in the top right-hand corner. Of course, the more stars you're willing to give, the better. (laughs) And I so appreciate hearing your thoughts. So if you could please leave a comment, that'd be amazing. I check and read them all and feel immense joy over each one. So thank you, thank you. So much love and hugs. All right. Today... I am super excited and honored to interview a best friend of mine. She and I have known each other since we worked together at a summer job in college. And we've been really fortunate that the trajectory of our life growth has mirrored each other in a lot of ways. And so much so that both of us had our first child in 2022, which is almost like 20 years after we met. (laughs) My daughter is seven months older than this amazing woman's son. So um, I'm very excited about that. And this woman is an intuitive life coach, and she truly helps people create heaven on earth. I have seen it. She is magical. Cora Poge, thank you so much for being on the podcast and welcome to More Mm -hmm. Milk, Please. (laughs) Thanks so much for having me, Malls. I'd love for you to share a little bit about you and your family, where you live Mm -hmm. and about your son, how old he is now, all that great stuff. Yes. So my boyfriend and our baby, Nico, and I all live in Austin, Texas. And Nico is one years old, specifically 14 months today. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's amazing. And I'm very biased. Um, but he's he's such a bright light and just I just had him at this like wellness spiritual fair and he was just running around wanting to meet everyone just so um gregarious it's it's really it's really fun to be around him I love that I love that it's like 
they're starting to really get into toddlerhood, you know, it's, yes. it's exciting to to see them really engaging with the world. <laughs> yes, I'm excited for him and Luna to meet again, because I feel like he'll be much more engaged. <laughs> yes, yes. Now that they'll both be running around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It'll be really fun. Cool. Well, let's rewind at least 14 months, if not a little yeah. bit more. And before you gave birth, I'm curious, you know, really just digging right into breastfeeding, what was your knowledge of breastfeeding like? And um, did you go to into this whole experience with any expectations? Did you research it? Did you try to avoid it? <laughs> Love to so, know. Yeah. So I was someone who was absolutely terrified, as you know, of motherhood, like just terrified. And what's so funny is the one thing I wasn't scared of was breastfeeding because I had latched onto something my mom had said, which was that breastfeeding comes really natural to the women in our family. Like she was really good at it. And so was, I don't even know if those are the words she used, but something like that. And so was my big sister. And so I was like, cool, check, like, that'll be fine. Now, I had, of course, talked to you and heard some of your journey. I had, I remember another friend of mine who had a child maybe 16 years ago, had a really challenging time. I don't even think, I'm pretty sure she didn't breastfeed because it was too hard, too challenging. (laughs) So, um, I went in just like, okay, it's going to be so easy. And yeah, that's how I went into it. I didn't read anything. I didn't ask people their stories. Now I tell every mom who's expecting their first to please like read stories, get some classes in or something before. Um, Not that that will mean a huge difference, but hopefully it'll be a little more information than I feel I had. Yeah, no, I feel you. I went in the exact same way. I was like, hope it works. (laughs) No information. Oh, goodness. Well, let's let's dig in. So can you share a little bit about the moment uh, Nico was born? Did it go as planned? Were you in a hospital? Were you at home? What was your story? Yeah, wow. So um, I might cry. I can feel that. I'm like, oh, this is such a like emotional experience. So I wanted to give birth in uh, midwifery, but and well, or at home. But I have high blood pressure that runs in the family, and so the midwives didn't feel like it was in their integrity to take me on. I was already on medication from um, a a hospital that I had gone to or the doctor and they, so they just couldn't do it in there. Yeah. It wouldn't be right to them. So I got used to the hospital as the choice. And so I have a really interesting story. I don't even know if I've told you this malls, but they wanted to induce me multiple times because I was a geriatric pregnancy because of the high blood pressure. And I felt I was a no. And this is before I ever went into the hospital in labor. I'm talking before my due date even. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, no, I, I don't need to schedule an induction. And 
I actually had a doctor's office tell me I wasn't welcome anymore. So I'd been going to this specialty clinic as a high-risk pregnancy. They were the ones that were really pushing the induction. Mm. And when I said no, they said that we're going to have, we're going to stop seeing you. Wow. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. And this is Wichita, Kansas, more traditional of an approach. I think they had like a 90% epidural rate or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I ended up just saying no to the induction and really trusting my body. And I went into labor a week after my due date or no, I went into labor maybe five days after my due date. I gave birth a week after. Something kind of funny is my my whole family did a bet to see, or we all guessed like the due date. Yeah. And this was early in August. So, and my due date was the 11th. We all guessed the birth date. And everyone was guessing around the 11th. And Sean, my boyfriend, guessed August 18th. And we were all like, whoa, that's like really far from your due date. And and he was right. So I went in, (laughs) I started labor the morning of the 16th and it was pretty light. Like it was just this early labor, uh, the early labor experience. And then I even slept that night. I, I remember I slept, I took I took maximum strength Tylenol and mm-hmm. I actually slept through the labor pains that night. And I'm really glad I did that because I'm sure I needed the sleep because yeah. then the next day they kicked up and by the fault that night I was in the hospital. So I might even have started on the 15th now. Mm-hmm. How did you know? What, what did it feel like for you in the very beginning? Do you remember? It's so hard to remember. I mean, it's what yeah. everybody says that the pay, the pay, I remember in the beginning, it felt maybe like intense period cramps is I guess yeah. what I would connect it to. But by like the time it was time to go to the hospital, I was yelling <clears throat> like it was. And I've always thought I had such a high pain tolerance. And I was like, I have to be like 10 centimeters dilated already. And I think I was three or something when I went into the hospital. But we ended up going into the hospital that second night. Okay. And and I was just yelling in the car on the way there. I remember the ride was horrible just because of the bumps. And mm. poor Sean, I'll have to ask him what that was like for him. When we got there, I thought I was going to go to this really like sweet, beautiful birthing center. So mm-hmm. I wasn't going to have to be in like a hospital room. But I, if I remember correctly, I think they took my blood pressure and it was way too oh. high. And so then they moved me to the hospital room and it was exactly what I did not want. Like those glaring white lights and just the, it just wasn't my ideal, but I went with it. And then I was in labor that night, the the following day, and around two in the afternoon the following day, I asked for an epidural, which is hilarious because I was going to do an unmedicated pregnancy. That was my intention. But it wasn't even like I was screaming for an epidural. It was actually that Ginny came to the mm-hmm. birth, and when she walked into the hospital room, I relaxed to another like 
I just relaxed in a different way. And I realized it's okay to get the epidural. I don't have to keep fighting that. Yeah. And so. And Jenny, just for listeners, is a good friend of yours. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yes. Good friend of mine. And I, I just felt like, oh, I, for some reason, her presence gave me permission to give myself permission to ask for it. And so I did. And that was so much relief. I mean, to put it bluntly, it goes from like 10 out of 10 pain to no pain. Like to, mm. That's what I felt. It was like no pain. It was re- I, That's the memory I have. I'm not sure how true to life that is. But I was then like I continued to be in labor, but I wasn't dilating. And my my doula was trying to talk to me about like resistance and is it resistance to having a baby? And it very well could have been because I was still like unsure on some level about what the heck I was getting myself into. And eventually they put me, uh, they gave me Pitocin, Mm -hmm. which I had been not wanting at all either, but that sped up the everything. And I went to sleep that night and at five in the morning, Oh, I had another epidural, by the way. I went to sleep (laughs) that night, woke up at five in the morning, and I just woke up like it was any old day. And (laughs) and I was 10 centimeters dilated and like wouldn't have known. I mean, this is the thing about the epidural. I would actually love to do it again and like experience pregnancy without it, or at least give it another, (laughs) give it another shot. Like, so at five in the morning, like they said, okay, it's time for you to push the baby out. And I was like, okay, wildest way to wake up. (laughs) Okay, it's time to push the baby out. And what was so funny, Molly, was that this was um, an educational hospital or they were connected to Kansas University Med School. Hmm. So they invited, I I remember about 10 med students (laughs) in. All right. And so- my my legs are up in the stirrups like there's a mirror it's my mom and Sean and then 10 med students and of course the doctor and and the nurse and then they are teaching me how to like every eight seconds push Mm. and doing that I think part of the challenge with epidurals from my perspective is I'm not feeling any pain so I'm actually not even there's not like the pressure to push. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, yeah, obviously in, intellectually, I want to get the baby out, but it's also, it doesn't feel like there's as much yeah, pressure. Yeah. So, but I was pushing and pushing, but what's so funny is every time I went to push, everyone cheered. So <laughs> it was, it was like, you can do it. Like, and Sean is a college basketball coach. So he was like, you got this. Nice. You, he's like, beat them. And then at one point he goes, <laughs> compete. And I go, compete with who? <laughs> I'm not competing with anyone. It was so funny. Defense. defense. <laughs> exactly. But it was two hours of pushing, by the way. I was, it was definitely exhausting. Yeah. But the baby, like the moment the baby came out was the most miraculous moment of my life. Mm -hmm. And the plan was, I mean, like the feeling of the baby coming out of me, I do remember that feeling Mm -hmm. in my my way, probably without an epidural, I'd remember it in a very different way. But I I did, I remember it viscerally. And then the doctor took the baby 
And then the idea was to give him to Sean, like Sean would be the first other person touching the baby. Mm-hmm. And when he handed the baby to Sean, and this is my macho, mm-hmm. uh, tough Boston boyfriend. He like at the top of his lungs, he goes, you're the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. You're the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And I was just like, that just got me. And there is something in that moment of him speaking with that much conviction and love that I knew everything was going to be okay. Like I just knew it between us, between the family, like with the baby, like everything was going to be okay. And then he laid the baby on my chest and it was just, for me, it felt like I came home to myself on a whole other level Mm -hmm. of like in purpose, like, Oh, I'm here too steward this being it was so clear to me and I actually wasn't scared anymore and I really haven't been since even though breastfeeding as we'll talk about was challenging I haven't I haven't like been scared of motherhood since they laid the baby on my chest and I felt that skin-to-skin contact and I felt this like sense of oh I was born for this and I and I don't know what I'm doing but I do know what I'm doing somewhere deep inside so it was so beautiful it was it was the it was a really beautiful moment oh I love that I so yes like yeah Sean's moment with Nico and oh you, my God. and I, and I love that like despite the epidural and losing a lot of feeling like the moment Nico came out, that still, you still felt that very viscerally. Like that's cool. I did. And, and I also, I mean, the epidural didn't affect any of my like emotion or like how with it I was mentally. So that, that was good too. Like I was, it was, it really only is like the waist down. And um, however, again, if I were to do it another time, I would definitely attempt the, to feel yeah. it all fully. Um, I yeah. think one of the reasons I really needed an epidural was because it was such a long labor and I, s- nothing was budging. Like I almost think the epidural helped me let go a little bit more. Yeah. yeah totally. I wanted to say one other thing though about giving birth in the hospital is I mean, I had to say no to the epidural so many times because Mm -hmm. that's what the hospital was suggesting, pushing, all of that. And at one point, the doctors shifted because I was there for so long. So like my doctor left and a new doctor came in and one of the nurses goes, yeah, I told the doctor, you're the lady that likes to call all the shots. And I was like, oh, you mean like advocate for myself? Yeah. it felt like, whoa, if I was a dude, no one would ever be like, oh, yeah, you're the guy that likes to call the shots. I don't think, you know, it's no. just re- it really struck me. Yeah, that's so interesting. I can imagine that going into the hospital thinking you're going to go into this beautiful birthing suite where you're going to have a lot oh, of yeah. different like modalities at your disposal to in- do- enjoy this experience and hopefully like find some ways that it doesn't feel like you need to be screaming that and then to be like oh sorry we're actually sticking you in a hospital room with a hospital bed and you know like and you're hooked up and then your mobility is much less it's just it's 
it's a lot harder at that point to feel like you have much, much in the way of options <laughs> or the ability to continue to labor on your own. Totally. And I'm now remembering that, yes, they had to hook me up to this machine that checked my blood pressure every right. 10 minutes or something. So every 10 minutes it's going beep, 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 beep. Oh so gosh. I also just couldn't sleep really. I couldn't really rest. It was just this, uh, that was an intense experience. I was definitely hooked up. And also from the birthing suite, the way to get to the hospital was they put me in this because it was across the street. They put me in this wheelchair and rolled me under this tunnel that looks like, looked like a horror movie um, set. And I, so I was like, oh my gosh, help. It was, that was a tough, that was a tough um, transition. (laughs) Absolutely. Also, if you're a breastfeeding mom, thinking about breastfeeding, or are an underproducer like me, get your hands on my free 10 best breastfeeding and pumping tips because you deserve an easier, pain-free experience. Seriously, I want you to feel victorious in your breastfeeding and pumping. So go to mollyrider.com forward slash top 10 milk tips to get your copy today. Oh, well, let's get back to happier moments. So Nico is out. He's here. He's on your chest. And did you try feeding then? When did you do your first feeding? No. So this is a little fuzzy, but I know it was, I feel like it was a couple hours later. First of all, I was in bliss at this point. Like it must like the massive oxytocin that happens after birth. And I'm totally blissed out, but a couple hours and they, I remember them like we had to try to express, Mm -hmm. is it called colostrum? Yeah. Like express that out. And there was like a nurse with a spoon Mm -hmm. trying to help me get it out. All I know is that it hurt. Whatever she was doing to my boobs really hurt. And I was like, this is kind of intense. And then- a little bit came out and Nico ate it. And then this is very fuzzy. I just remember that this did not come, like it did not come easily for me. And we had to use a pump. I like we used a pump, one of those like hospital grade pumps. Yeah. To try to get it kind of moving, I guess. Uh-huh. Mm. So was that their policy to like hand express or use a pump before putting baby on boob or I think we maybe tried with the baby first mm-hmm. and then that's that's my memory is we tried with the baby and maybe nothing was coming out or it didn't seem like he was latching or something yeah and so then there was hand express and then eventually the pump and so it's and I think we also used uh breast milk from someone else too like because mm-hmm. we stayed around. then two more nights in the hospital donor milk and then eventually like I got engorged from the pump because that can happen yeah and I think we had a little bit of a harder time with him latching as well Mm -hmm. like we thought he might have a tongue tie Mm -hmm. and he does but but it's a very small one so we ended up not doing the surgery yeah um but 
it's so interesting how fuzzy all of this is because I, I think it was yeah. it was the hardest part really about all of it. So I don't re- remember as much, but I do know that we had to supplement. So we ended up, I would feed him and then we would, and then I would pump after every feeding mm-hmm. and then I would feed him that bottle mm. and, or Sean would feed him that bottle. But every time we fed him, it was, it was that kind of a deal where yeah. it was a full feed and then a full pump of everything left. And then, and then Sean would feed him. So a whole feeding took like 45 minutes at least. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, so now, oh my gosh, it's, he, he like eats for five or 10 minutes and then runs off. I'm like, wow, this is a very different world. But (laughs) that's, that's what we did for a while in the middle of the night. And one amazing thing is Sean would get up with me every time Mm. he'd get up with me. We got to the living room he would put a blanket on the ground and lay down and I would feed Nico. And at that time too, I don't know. I was still so getting the hang of it. I did not understand how people could look at their phones or do anything while feeding. Yeah. So it's like pure meditation time. Mm-hmm. There's nothing else to do. And because all my energy, both hands were going into it. So I remember this. I don't know if you experienced this, Molly, but I experienced when I was nursing, I would have these almost like a projector screen of memories from my life before Nico. Mm. And it was just, and there was no, it wasn't linear. There was no, I wasn't consciously thinking about these memories. They just started coming through. Mm-hmm. And so nursing was this opportunity for me to reflect on my life before Nico to feel gratitude, to grieve certain things, to celebrate certain things. It was really amazing. And I felt like, oh, wow, somehow it's this like pause that nursing is requiring that's Mm. opening up this whole opportunity. Yeah, that's beautiful. To close a chapter. Totally. I love that. Luna and I didn't actually start breastfeeding until she was almost like eight weeks old. Because she did have tongue tie and and retraining her on how to latch was <laughs> was a challenge. So oh, I pumped yeah. and I pumped and we bottle fed her for a long time. But yeah, until they like get bigger and you sort of figure it out, it's it's definitely like, okay. I've got it just all hands on deck. <laughs> yeah, exactly, all hands on deck, like holding the hand, the head, and I mean, oh yeah, and positions. I mean, I went to a lactation consultant that what's really cool is it was free through the hospital which I appreciated they were great because yeah I had no idea what I was doing with positions the football Mm -hmm. hold like all those different holds and gosh so I almost want to have a second kid just for that reason too like at least I would have a little bit of a um of like I would know what to expect a little bit more but they were amazing and they would actually weigh Nico. Mm. They'd weigh him and then I'd feed him on one boob and they'd, they'd weigh him to see how much he got. And then they'd weigh him to like, and then on the other boob and then they would tell me, this is how much you need to pump. And Sean and I had to 
weigh Nico. Actually, thanks to you, we had a scale because we had to weigh him regularly because he was really small when he was born, six pounds, seven ounces. And then we weighed him, like, I think, I want to say every three days or something to make sure he was gaining weight. And it was such a team effort, Molly, with Sean and I and we would get so happy when we would weigh him and and he would have gained weight and but I I was like this is kind of crazy making like this reminds me when I was in my like mid 20s to like well teens to mid 20s and was weighing myself every day like suddenly I had like weight obsession over my child and like it used (laughs) to be me and it's like now it's my child and I wanted to weigh him every day. Like I, it had, it was like similar compulsive mm. things came up because I was so committed to him being like at a healthy place. Yeah. And eventually he, he actually gained too much weight, which is funny. Like not, un, not too much like unhealthy, but enough that they're like, okay, you don't have to do right. the whole, like the whole show that you're doing. Yeah, because um, you were feeding him and pumping and then, yeah, and then trying to like feed. bottle feed him more. Yeah. Yeah, wow. exactly. Feeding like and an, pumping, bottle feeding right. every time. Yes. Yeah. And, That's a and lot. So that, it was, I mean, I feel like at one point I was like, oh, this is like six to eight hours of my day for sure. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, we. I just want to say this too. Like the hospital was very insistent about feeding him every, is it three hours, three to four hours? Two, yeah, two to three, two, I think. Two yeah. to three. And I, that just would not work for my sleep schedule. Yeah. I just I just couldn't do it like and, and maintain mental sanity. So I actually didn't. And I just want to share that because yeah. uh, everything worked out. Nico gained weight. And I like please don't hate me, but I, I rarely felt sleep deprived in this experience. I I'm getting, my sleep is very different than it used to be, but I think it's partly because I didn't obsess about that. And Mm -hmm. Sean and I kind of decided together, like, we're just not going to buy into that piece of it. And we didn't, we didn't really tell the doctors. We just sort of like did it on our own and, um, and it all worked out. That's awesome. So was uh, was Nico amenable? Did he sleep whatever hours you needed at night? Or how did that, did, did Sean maybe Most, get up during those ones? It was always me, Sean and I. So mm-hmm. I got up every feed. But I think he, Nico is a sleeper and he mm-hmm. did sleep longer than the average newborn. Nice. So I went with that. Yeah, hey. <laughs> well, I also felt like, I mean, it's intuitive. Like if he's mm-hmm. really hungry, won't he wake up? And yeah. I'm sure science might beg to differ, but that was that was what I felt was like, I mean, his body's very wise. So yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. And I'm going to forget the name of the book now, but like the art of raising Bebe or like the, the French woman who- Oh yeah, yeah. The woman bringing up France, Bebe. Bringing up Bebe. She talks a lot about like how- in France, they have a very different philosophy about feeding a newborn. And, you know, that very similarly, like they just follow the baby's rhythm versus like forcing everybody to get up every two to three hours for feeding. So 
Yeah. And I read that book and I'm sure that had an influence too. Yeah. I loved that book. I, I yeah. love reading that one mixed with like attachment style books. Like let's just read it all and then pick, create my own like way of doing it. Exactly. Love <laughs> it. Love it. So I know we talked a lot about, you know, like those first few weeks and just curious as, you know, the months went on, if there were any things that were unexpected about the baby feeding experience or particularly joyful that you liked, like, how did it go as, as you got to that point of like, okay, Nico's gaining weight. We don't have to worry about like the extra pumping and feeding and all the things. Yes. Oh my gosh. So, I mean, first of all, I love nursing now. I love it so much. And I think one of the things I would say is I'm I'm a lot less modest than I thought I would be. Like I'm very willing to just pull out the boob in public, basically, in almost any situation to feed Nico. I just like there's very little self-consciousness around it at this point. I remember I got on a plane with Nico when he was when I saw you all. So maybe he was seven months or eight months or something like that. And I got on the plane and I looked around and it was all teenage boys. I was, it was like a teenage boys basketball team. And it's like, oh gosh, come on. This is, this is, this is yeah. pushing my, pushing my self-consciousness button a little bit just because I've learned that the demographic that seems to have the least interest in babies is teenage boys, but they were actually great. No one seemed to joke about me feeding him at all. It all worked out. I, I've also found just that, well, for me, it still is a meditation when I want it to be. So I often have my phone, which I have mixed feelings about because I also know there's now the, like all the electromagnetic frequencies or, or like coming through the phone might be impacting Nico and all of that. But I do let myself look at my phone when I'm nursing. But I also sometimes just purposefully put it down and just Mm -hmm. say, okay, here's a moment of peace, a moment of connection. And it's really, that can be really sweet. And I also, I'm already a little sad about the fact that this doesn't last forever, which is hilarious because of course Mm -hmm. it doesn't last forever. That would be ludicrous, but I'm like picturing this giant kid (laughs) still nursing. (laughs) Like at some point it's going to complete. And, and yeah, it it interests me that I am, I'm intrigued that I already feel tender about that. And I thought I would feel like I haven't been away from Nico for longer than five hours Mm -hmm. in 14 months. And I have been obsessed with alone time for much of my adult life. If you had told me that this was going to be my experience of motherhood, I would have been like, that sounds like hell. And I love it most of the time. Of course, there's the moments where it's hard, but that's also been surprising and and meaning like the way nursing ties me or loops me to Nico. Mm -hmm. I thought that would feel more like a burden, but it really feels more like an honor. So that was surprising. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. It is interesting the before selves and the after selves, like similarly, I, I don't think I could have imagined. I don't think I'd have ever been a mom who 
you like at 20 months, 14 months is still breastfeeding. And even in the very beginning when I was, I was like, I don't even know if I can make it to three months. (laughs) This is really hard. Yeah. I hear that. Oh, I want to say that. I feel like you helped me with this too. And my friend M Dryling helped me with this, but there sometimes out in the world, there can be a formula shame thing Mm -hmm. and in certain circles. And I, we, used formula as a supplement at various times. And I just want to say, I think it's really helpful. And for some people, it just, it's, it can be a lifesaver. And so it helped me just to, to let go, suspend judgment and just know that sometimes that's going to be how it has to be, or it's going to like help put my mind at ease or something. Yeah. A hundred percent. You know, I feel like society puts this sort of expectation on women to be breastfeeding, you know, heroes, gold medal winners. And it's a very challenging skill to master. And it doesn't like it, even if you master it, it like doesn't mean that your body's going to actually produce all the milk it needs to produce. And, you know, all the things like it's just, you don't know what's going to unfold and, and formula is there. And yeah, yeah. similarly, like we supplemented too with formula and also there are many moms out there. In fact, a good friend of ours, Carla, who have interviewed, Mm -hmm. like her daughter ended up being um, allergic to her breast milk. And so they did have to make the switch and it's just tough. You know, it's, it's, uh, it can be a challenge. I've noticed too, there's a lot of more natural organic brands of formula out there and things. I mean, I always looked into them. And then we never did it. We we never did it. We ended up like running to Walgreens in the middle of the night. But right. um, and yeah, I think there is a lot, lot of pressure on like the right way to do to yeah. do this. And gosh, one thing I'm grateful for is I even though I had this idea of a totally unmedicated birth, I remember when I first vision, envisioned it. I was in one of those blow up bathtubs in my living room. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up giving birth with two epidurals in a hospital, like stir up situation. Hilarious. But one thing I heard time and time again was have your plan and then totally willing to scrap it. Yeah. And I'm so glad people told me that because I, I don't think I got super attached to the birth plan. And with nursing, I feel like I was a bit more attached, but it was more because I really just want to blame my poor mom. And I know she meant nothing by it. It was my choice to latch on to what she said, but mm-hmm. I really just, it was that ex- the expectancy that it was going to be so easy and natural versus mm-hmm. like what it was. And I've, I've wished there were more podcasts and things like this out there because I felt like I didn't, I didn't. I mean, again, I'd talk to you and maybe one other person, but I, but th- this didn't feel like a super talked about subject in my world before giving birth. Yeah, for sure. It's very hard to visualize. Yeah. Were you surprised at all at how Sean showed up for you during this time? It sounds like he was really there with you, like side by side, step by step. Yeah. I mean, he, it, he's definitely an all in kind of guy. I, I don't think I was surprised. Wait, wait, that's not true. I was surprised he was willing to get up with me for every feed like that. And that went on for like the first few months. It was when we were working really hard to to yeah. get it. Eventually, I just 
took Nico into bed with me and Mm -hmm. nursed him and then was still almost asleep. And then Sean just stayed in bed too, of course. But I think that I was surprised that he would sacrifice his sleep like that. And, but yeah, I, I think maybe it was from the minute he said, he said like you're the most beautiful thing in the world. I, I felt his all inness and, and commitment. Yeah. So I guess I wasn't surprised, but very, very grateful. I think it now is a little bit trickier in terms of, I was, it's just so funny. I, I thought you would probably get this like today, today is a Saturday and So I take care of Nico during the day, Monday through Friday, and then I see my clients at night. And so Sean works Monday through Friday, and then he's, and then he watches Nico at night. And today's a Saturday. And so in my mind, well, we're both watching Nico, like it's a weekend. Mm -hmm. And I get this text like two hours or hour into waking up from Sean, who's at the gym and like doing his thing. Um, when do I need to come take over? And I was like, more, it felt like it was expected that I'm, I'm the, like the point, the main parent all the time, basically, mm-hmm. unless we've discussed that it will be different. Right. And I get that some of that is because I'm nursing. And so I do have to be more connected to him. But yeah, that's something I'm going to talk to him about tonight or just have him listen to this. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And having a baby definitely brings up the like challenges with communication and clarity of roles and all of those. Oh, fun and things that, like, that, like, oh, sorry yeah. to interrupt. No, no. And like gender roles and tradi- yes. like, I don't, I mean, what's hilarious is he's not traditional at all when it comes to like paying for my meal and things, but he is very traditional when it comes to, the household duties. I'm like, this is, wait, hold on. That's, yeah. No, we got to talk about this. Right. And I don't want to sit here and just bitch because there's so much that works and yeah. that he's amazing at too. And so I was laying, I was laying in bed recently and I was just in my mind, like this doesn't work and this doesn't work. And he's not doing this. And I actually stopped and I went, wait, but what does work? And how has he shown his love and support today? And I was like, oh, he went grocery shopping. Oh, he sent me a text. He was really excited to see me. Like, oh, and I was like, wow, how how interesting that it's so easy to focus on all the things that I don't think are being done well, especially if I'm in a crunchy mood. Yeah, no, totally. And uh, I think it's it's helpful too, like in thinking about what is working to f- figure out good ways to approach what you want to work better in the future, yeah. you know, it can be easier to come from that place sometimes. Yeah, definitely. My, my really unfortunate habit has been describing what isn't working when we're in full trigger. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> That's received super well. So fun. I went the change so happens many, immediately. Yeah. So much progress <laughs> is made. It, Totally. It's like, oh my gosh, why am I bringing this up right now? Yeah, I feel you. Coco. Did you know that 90% of mothers felt lonely after having children and 54% felt friendless 
after giving birth. This according to a recent UK survey of more than 2,000 mothers. I can definitely relate. I had a hard time after my daughter was born, which is why I started my free private Facebook group for Moms Plus called More Milk Please, Strong Supportive Mamas. Come join us at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash more milk, please, and find the connection and belonging you desire. Look forward to seeing you there. Um, I want to circle back really quick to pumping. And I'm curious if you remember the type of pump you used when you got home and like if you had any favorite pumping accessories or what I know like you sometimes use breastfeeding as a meditation experience, but what would you do while you were pumping? Pumping felt weird. That first I'll just say that like mm-hmm. I, it definitely feels <laughs> felt like I was a cow in a mechanical milking situation. I liked the pump I had. I have to remember the modality. It starts with an M. I want to say Medela. Medela. Yeah, yeah Medela. And it was a little circular machine thing. And then it had two tubes, you know, that linked up to the, um, like the breast end. covers and yeah. the, yeah. And, and it was electric and did two at once. And then I felt like the nursing bra I had, you could just stick it in there. I wouldn't even have to hold them. It just like went into the nursing bra, which was really cool. I could even walk around while doing it and do other nice. things. And, but I would read like when I was pumping, I could be on my phone or I could read, but I usually, that's what I usually did. Something a little more entertaining. Yeah. And it wasn't my favorite thing. Like, I don't like the noise, like the, eh, eh, eh. (laughs) I just remember I would hear different words. Like after I heard that sound for so long, I'd be like, like saying garden or saying wisdom or like it's anyways that was a lot I do want to share that I had one of the sweetest moments was my pump broke one night and this is at a time where <laughs> it's really important that we continue to feed him and he gains weight and I I looked for pump rentals and called mm. all over town Maybe it wasn't night. It was like afternoon. And I ended up texting five moms or something in Wichita, mm. none of who I knew that well. Mm. And every one of them offered a pump, their pump, Aww. one they used to use. They had a friend who had one. And I just realized in that moment, moms are so generous with other moms a majority yeah. of the time because we get it. We get it. We get it in a way that no one hasn't had this experience can can quite get it and it just felt so supportive that's awesome that's a great story I love that like five pumps in an hour or something yeah it's really cool that is really cool so we're wrapping up shortly here but I'm curious if you have any particular tips or resources or products that you want to call out I know you've been mentioning a few through our conversation but any just that you want to mention now you see, well, oh, there's a shirt. I mean, there's a clothing company. The brand is called Boob, B-O-O-B, Boob Design. But they create the shirts that have the flap, like that, like a 
I think you have some of these, Molly, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where you just pull up the top and you can feed them so easily. Yeah. I love that. I love those. And they came in dresses. Like oh, nice. our friend Sophie got me a box of like all these different kinds. And I highly recommend that. There's something called an udder cover, U-D-D-E-R, that, uh-huh. that's a little bit like a giant scarf that goes around your neck and covers the, the baby when you're nursing in public, which I didn't use that much, but it was nice to have it in case. Did you say tips or tricks yeah. as well? I felt a substantial difference when I did start eating foods that were supposed to help with breast milk creation, mm-hmm. like uh, oatmeal or quinoa. Mm-hmm. Also, I started taking a postnatal at a certain point. I helped, felt like that helped with breast milk production too. Yeah. And then I guess I would just say like to prioritize sleep really worked for me. And again, just to emphasize that, yeah, it, you know, one of the things that annoyed me was I would be reading like tips for breastfeeding and it would say, get a good night's sleep. And I was like, who wrote these? <laughs> like, that makes no sense. It's, it'll say breastfeed every three to two to four hours or two to three hours to maintain supply and also get a good night's sleep. Right. What? It's like so ridiculous. So yeah, I would say it's probably different for everyone, but for me, it really helped mentally, emotionally to get to get sleep. And when I say sleep, I don't mean I slept through the night. I mean like I slept for four hours in a row or something. And right, that felt like a gift from God. You know? Yes, yeah, you get yes. it. I do. Four I hours definitely feels it. better than two. Oh, I I didn't do it for long. I. Also, I think it just really helped once um, once I was able to get Luna to breastfeed. The first eight weeks where I was like almost exclusively pumping was misery. And it, it was hard to even just like know what where I was, what time of day it was, what was going on. But so hats off to all of the exclusive pumpers out there because that was that was incredibly hard. But um then like you mentioned, like being able to do side lying in the bed yeah. is a game changer <laughs> for sure. Total game changer. Yeah. I would also say like the other thing coming up for me is just to be really kind and gentle with yourself if you lose your shit. Because yeah. I, I did like a few times where it was just, I was so scared because I was like worried he wasn't gaining weight or I would even get mad at him when he wasn't latching and things mm-hmm. like that, which I I don't love admitting, but I think it's important that it's normalized um, or at least that we have some grace for each other, for ourselves mostly around that because it can get very, it can be very stressful. And so just to give ourselves some grace and space around the moments of freakouts and that it just it's not doesn't mean we're bad moms. No, not at all. It means we need more sleep. Someone's got to give it to us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I recently heard the statistic that you won't screw your kid up if you're a if you're a good parent at least 30% of the time. That's like <laughs> the, right. that's the minimum and I was like, "Oh, okay. I'm every Nico, I think you're going to be okay." <laughs> 
can hit that number. I love it. All right. I've started to ask moms these uh, rapid fire questions. So it's a little bonus round. Awesome. Let me just get one more little allergy medicine. Totally. Totally. So when Nico started eating solid foods or when you started introducing solid foods to him, what were some of the first foods that you gave? Banana, avocado, hummus, applesauce. Are you a morning person or a night? Well, I thought I was a morning person, but I seem to, since Nico, be a little more of a night person because we both stay up late (laughs) and sleep in. (laughs) Nice. Um, Are you coffee or tea or water? Oh, coffee. Definitely. Nice. Yes. Um, and what's your go-to recharge activity with Nico? Oh, with him. Well, I mean, just in general, but like with having had Nico. Oh, okay. Okay. Gotcha. Well, clearly I need one. <laughs> Honestly, I think it's, it's having sex. <laughs> nice. Yes. <laughs> or with Sean or myself, if that makes sense. Yes. The endorphin hit is very helpful. <laughs> Yeah. And the pleasure, right. Which is what you're saying. It's because it's, I think that that's something, even though let's say breastfeeding is pleasurable now to me, it's like pleasurable, but for the service to another, I've had this funny moment a couple of times where we'll have sex and then the baby will wake up and want to be breastfed like right after. And it's like, Oh my God, my body is (laughs) so like overstimulated but also I feel like I'm constantly kind of like of service to the dude the men in my life even though it's not that like in the first scenario but it just it it was a funny moment I was like oh geez here we go yeah demands on all sides yeah exactly Um, and what a way you have to switch. I had to switch gears really fast. <laughs> right. Too. Yes. Like, whoa. And now switching from girlfriend to mom mode. Here we yeah. go. With Nico, do you guys have a favorite bedtime story or story that you like to read together? Oh my gosh. Well, it's so cute. We read Goodnight Moon a lot, mm. um, but he we don't really have book bedtime ritual, but just something kind of funny about him is when he wants us to read a book, he comes up to us and throws the book at us, <laughs> like with all his might. And we're That's like, adorable. Oh, okay, you want to <laughs> read. But his wind down at night is a bath and then nursing. And <clears throat> I'd like to incorporate a couple books. In fact, I'll try that tonight. Nice, nice. We find um, like, so we do bath jammies and then we bring her upstairs to do um story time and then nursing and with luna she loves books so like we end up at this point we're at three books at nighttime and the end one always has to be something like good night moon or we've got a couple other books where like the characters say good night at the end Mm. because she gets so like energized by reading these stories that we have to have like a book that like is like a come down okay we're actually going to bed (laughs) That's hilarious. And so, I can see it. Yeah. And sometimes she like doesn't want to read the Goodnight Moon one because she knows then what's going to happen. She's like, I see what you two are up to. That's right. Um, I know what's going on. Have you heard of the author Sandra Boynton? Yes. Yeah. She, we, he loves those. Yes. Um, 
particularly barnyard dance and but not the hippopotamus <laughs> nice nice yeah luna we got um mooba fa la 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 and yeah it's like a christmas one but we read it all the time <laughs> and then she does have one where the forget it's like the going to bed book by her and that's one of oh, our yeah. that's another one of our uh nighttime ones but I still don't understand why all the animals go up and exercise before bed. <laughs> That's the either. only thing I'm like, wait, doesn't that wake you guys up? Yeah. I don't know. Isn't that re-energizing? <laughs> anyway. Um, all right. Last one. What's one thing that Sean does that really helps you out or takes some of the burden off you? Mm, with Nico or, or in breastfeeding? And just in general, <laughs> as you are both parenting now. <laughs> yeah. I would say the, the the biggest thing is just he ta- like helps helps me when I want to do when I want to do my business and mm-hmm. also self care like he he's very willing to step in now I have to ask but that's okay like he's it, it's really good that he's so willing to do that yeah that's awesome that's awesome all right well before we wrap up. Is there anything else that you'd like to share or anything we didn't cover that you feel like you want to bring forward? I guess what I'll say is just if anyone's listening to this that is in the middle of a really challenging breastfeeding experience, it goes by fast eventually. Like, in other words, it felt like, oh my gosh, this when is this going to be over? When's it going to be easier? And then all of a sudden it was. So just mm-hmm. some hope and belief that it will, it will get easier and hope and maybe even sooner than you think. Yeah. One thing I actually wanted to ask you was what was your experience like? Cause you are breastfeeding longer when Nico started to get teeth. How did you oh, handle yeah. the biting situation? So thankfully he only did that a couple of times. And I just said, no, like really clearly, mm-hmm. no, you can't do that. And I even said to Sean, like, he just bit me and he's like, no, you can't do that. Like from both of us. Mm. And and he didn't do it very many more times after that. Oh, good. Good, good. Cool. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, you are an amazing coach. So how can people reach out to you if they want to get you. to know more about you and what you do? Yes. It's good to find me on Instagram at Coach Coco or Facebook. Uh, or my email. And then my website is corapoge.com as well. Yay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here and sharing your story and all of your insights. I really appreciate it. You're so welcome. My pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, leave a comment on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts and share with a fellow mama plus. And if you're interested in coming on to share your own baby feeding story, head to mollyrider.com and click on share your story. Thanks. See you next week. Bye.